You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Enemy of My Enemy. I'm Hody. I got Lou. I got Brian. And today we are going to talk about missteps during the COVID era. Before I do that, I did want to say, as promised for the fans, my chicken parm you taste so good shirt. I am wearing it. Go Broncos. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... um, I just I saw the quote going around this week, and I was like, "Oh, I have that on a shirt. I will wear it again." It is a worn shirt. You might have noted. Uh, I I absolutely love it. All right, uh, digging into this here, I am going to you both take a full five minutes uh, to say what you want to say. If I have to take it out or delay the break or whatever, that's fine. I'm going to take my whole time to just read this article from Newsweek. Uh, that was published this week. It's entitled, It's Time for the Scientific Community to Admit We Were Wrong About COVID and It Cost Lives. This is, of course, an opinion piece um, from a seventh-year med student. Um, you know, I, I want I want that to be known here. This is an opinion, although I will link the article. In fact, I will do that right now in the comments if you are curious, <clears throat> because I believe it is definitely, definitely, definitely worth reading. He also, for any sources, like any quotes or any any anything any claim he makes where you say oh is that really right he actually links a study to it or even two or three studies to it so definitely worth clicking on on this link if if there's a a fact in this that you want to kind of go further into that said i'm just going to read this as a medical student and researcher i staunchly supported the efforts of public health authorities when it came to covid19 i believe the authorities responded to the greatest public health crisis of our lives with compassion, diligence, and scientific expertise. I was with them when they called for lockdowns, vaccines, and boosters. I was wrong. We in the scientific community were wrong, and it cost lives. I can see now that the scientific community, from the CDC to the WHO to the FDA and their representatives, repeatedly overstated the evidence and misled the public about its own views and policies, including on natural versus artificial immunity, school closures and disease transmission, aerosol spread, mask mandates, and vaccine effectiveness and safety, especially among the young. All of these were scientific mistakes at the time, not in hindsight. Amazingly, some of these obfuscations continue to the present day. But perhaps more important than any individual error was how inherently flawed the overall approach of the scientific community was and continues to be. It was flawed in a way that undermined its efficacy and, con- and resulted in thousands, if not millions, of preventable deaths. What we did not properly appreciate is that preferences determine how scientific expertise is used and that our preferences might be, indeed our preferences were, very different from many of the people that we serve. We created policy based on our preferences, then justified it using data, and we portrayed those opposing our efforts as misguided, ignorant, selfish, and evil. We made the science we made science a team sport, and in so doing, we made it no longer science. It became us versus them, and they responded the only way anyone might expect them to, by resisting. 
We excluded important parts of the population from policy development and castigated critics, which meant that we deployed a monolithic response across an exceptionally diverse nation, forged a society more fractured than ever, and exacerbated longstanding health and economic disparities. Our emotional response and ingrained partnership prevented us from seeing the full impact of our actions on the people we were supposed to serve. We systemically minimized the downsides of the interventions we imposed. We imposed without the input, consent, and recognition of those forced to live with them. In so doing, we violated the autonomy of those who would be most negatively impacted by our policies, the poor, the working class, small business owners, Blacks and Latinos, and children. These populations were overlooked because they were made invisible to us by their systematic exclusion from the dominant corporatized media machine that presumed omniscience. Most of us did not speak up in support of alternative views, and many of us tried to suppress them. When strong scientific voices like world-renowned Stanford professors John Ioannidis, J. Bhattacharya, and Scott Atlas, or University of California San Francisco professors Vinay Prasad and Monica Gandhi sounded the alarm on behalf of vulnerable communities, they faced severe censure by relentless mobs of critics and detractors in the scientific community, often not on the basis of fact, but solely on the basis of, of differences in scientific opinion. When former President Trump pointed out the downsides of intervention, he was public. He, he, we dismissed him publicly as a buffoon. And when Dr. Anthony Fauci opposed, opposed Trump and became the hero of the public health community, we gave him our support to do and say whatever he wanted, even when he was wrong. Trump was not remotely perfect, nor were the academic critics of consensus policy. But the scoring that we laid on them was a disaster for public trust in the pandemic response. Our approach alienated large segments of the population from what should have been a national collaborative project. And we paid the price. The rage of, the, the rage of those marginalized by the expert class exploded onto and dominated social media. Lacking the scientific lexicon to express their disagreement, many dissidents turned to conspiracy theories and a cottage industry of scientific contortionists to make their case against the expert class consensus that dominated the pandemic mainstream. Labeling this speech misinformation and blaming it on scientific illiteracy and ignorance, the government conspired with big tech to aggressively suppress it, erasing the valid political concerns of the government's opponents. And this despite the fact that pandemic policy was created by a razor thin sliver of American society who anointed themselves to preside over the working class, members of academia, government, medicine, journalism, tech, and public health, who are highly educated and privileged. From the comfort of their privilege, this elite prizes paternalism as opposed to average Americans who laud self-reliance and whose daily lives routinely demand that they reckon with risk, that many of our leaders neglected to consider the lived experience of those across the class divide is unconscionable. Incomprehensible to us, to, due to this class divide, we severely judged lockdown critics as lazy, backwards, and even evil. We dismissed as grifters those who represented their interests. We believed misinformation energized the ignorant, and we refused to accept that such people simply had a different, valid point of view. We crafted policy for the people without consulting them. If our public health officials had led with less hubris, the course of the pandemic in the United States might have had a very different outcome with far fewer lost 
lives. Instead, we have witnessed a massive and ongoing life in America due to distrust of vaccines in the healthcare system, a massive concentration in wealth by already wealthy elites, a rise in suicides and gun violence, especially among the poor, a near doubling of the rate of depression and anxiety disorders, especially among the young, a catastrophic loss of educational attainment among already disadvantaged children, and among those most vulnerable, a massive loss of trust in healthcare, science, scientific authorities, and the political leaders more broadly. My motivation for writing this is simple. It's clear to me that, that for public trust to be restored in science, scientists should publicly discuss what went right and what went wrong during the pandemic and where we could have done better. It's okay to be wrong and admit where one was wrong and what one learned. That's a central part of the way science works. Yet I fear that too many are too entrenched in groupthink and too afraid to publicly take responsibility to do this. Solving these problems in the long term requires a greater commitment to pluralism and tolerance in our institutions, including the inclusion of critical, if unpopular, votes. Intellectual elitism, credentialism, and classism must end. Restoring trust in public health and our democracy depends on it. That's the end of the article. Lou, I will turn it over to you to give your thoughts on what we messed up on during COVID. We messed up everything. That's it. No. All right. Um, Simple. I, no. I, <laughs> I think the the to anyone and everyone that was affected in one way or another, whether that was their health or financially, um, their education, what have you, every aspect of everybody's lives was impacted pretty negatively. And I think where we really messed up as a whole is politicizing this pandemic um, and not having any empathy for other people's experiences. And just, you know, I hate to kind of make this comparison, but I look back at 9-11 and I think about when, you know, that happened, there was this sort of sense of community and everybody came together and what you know of course there were parts of it that were politicized but overall the people seemed to be coming together um and you did you got the exact opposite with covid which is really unfortunate because i think that's really what we needed were more avenues of support uh for the underprivileged for small business owners for minorities and marginalized communities children, youth, education, our education system absolutely crumbled, which there's a nihilistic part of me that was kind of excited about that because it's like, I've been trying to tell you the public school system is shite, you know, um, and this is exactly why it's so fragile and all these kids are absolutely getting left behind at this point. Um, I don't even remember what the numbers were locally, but the amount of students that dropped out in St. Joe County, Indiana, and have not returned to school um, is staggering. It was already bad to begin with, just because our school system is absolutely terrible. Um, but it absolutely staggering. And I somehow was lucky enough to have the forethought to get my kid enrolled in a private online school. And that actually allowed her to not only maintain like her pace, but actually she was able to skip a grade. Um, but a lot of kids didn't have that opportunity. Um, nor did a lot of parents know that the online 
things that schools were offering were just so subpar and they were ill-prepared for this level of use. Um, it's so many, like, there's a whole generation of kids that are just screwed. And I don't, ha I don't know how do we fix that, but so much of that comes back to, in my opinion, less about the scientific side of what we did and didn't do right and wrong, but the fact that we allowed it to be so politicized instead of coming together in our communities to try and help people through this. Um, we villainized everybody. And, you know, if people didn't agree exactly with what we thought, they were the devil and trying to murder us. And it's just a really, really sad situation. And my personal experience, um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly science minded. I don't, um, I research and read a lot of stuff. So I was cautiously optimistic about things like the vaccine and um, that sort of stuff. I, having had a history of autoimmune disease and lupus and, and things like that, I knew that there was risk. I didn't fully understand what that risk was. And unfortunately, neither did any of my doctors. Um, it was recommended to me. And the vast majority of the reason I have been down and out for about a year now is because of that. But I also know that I'm one of very, very few outliers that had such drastic um, reactions, but not few enough to call it totally safe. And I think a lot of things were rushed. There was a lot of fear, um, but there were also a lot of really good things that came out of it. And We've learned a lot more about, you know, how to manage pandemics in the future, if God forbid it happens again in our lifetime. Um, but I'm just, I'm happy at this point to see that we are rapidly, like, I think if we get through fall this year, we are looking at endemic levels. Like, hospitals are now looking at zero to four cases a day, and they're significantly milder, just as, you know, scientific models always kind of predict the way that viruses evolve, is they become easier spread, but less deadly, less intense, um, because viruses, just like a parasite, their intention isn't to kill their host. They want the host to live longer, right? So they can live as well. And I think that we're seeing that happen now. Um, there were a lot of mistakes made in every aspect of life, personally, politically, education, jobs. God, our small business took a massive hit. And we are extremely lucky that we still have doors open. Um, but it was not, it was close. It was very close to us being homeless and losing our business. Yeah. Brian, uh, some of your thoughts on missteps during COVID. Missteps. Everything went perfect, right? We were supposed <laughs> to destroy the economy. We were supposed to destroy yeah. education. We were supposed to get everyone to mistrust the government and build more partisan politics. So, yeah, that, if you were that was your plan, this worked out great. Um, the, the two things about that article, Hody, which were, were, were absolutely, and I still think people, um, the the author maybe still has a little bit to work on there. Um, I, the whole idea was that. 
as he brought up in the article, that people that, you know, we came, you know, the scientists came from this, this realm of trying to help people and this authority of being educated and privileged. And there were plenty of educated and privileged people who were telling them that the way they were going about this was incredibly stupid. Um, the other point that came up on it was that, oh, well, we just fell into groupthink. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you play politics. Politics is groupthink. Politics is the is like the the king of groupthink. You want more people on your team than their team to be able to win. And that's what drove a lot of COVID policy, unfortunately. You can see it beginning in Trump and you can see it in Biden and you continue to see it on this on this red team, blue team type of mess that still goes on even today. Um, I was just reading an article, Hody, about people that were upset with Bill Maher. Bill Maher, who is a liberal talk show host on HBO, I agree with him about maybe 40, 50% of the time, and I guess I got to hand him my conservative card now. Um, but the whole thing is that people are ticked off at him because he was pointing out the things that you pointed out in your story that a lot of the things that were said by politicians, you remember when the vaccine was 100% safe, that there were no known side effects other than, you know, just, ooh, my arm hurts. Yeah, no, I've, we, we had this vaccine, every time a vaccine gets rolled out, except for an emergency basis like what we had with the COVID uh, vaccines, there's huge amounts of studies that are done for years. Now, unless all of us went through a time warp, uh, that vaccine came out in a year. There's not at all enough time in that in that time frame for a new method of delivery being implemented on a global scale to see how well it's going to do and what long term effects it's going to have. And I think now we're starting to find out. I mean, we know that excess deaths are up worldwide. It isn't just a U.S. thing. Oh, you guys are too fat and that's why you're dying. No, people are dying because of suicide. People are dying because of drug overdoses. People are dying because of heart issues. People are dying because of undiagnosed cancer. You remember when they shut down the all the cancer screening and stuff like that during COVID? I mean, luckily, my wife was uh, had a major soldier, shoulder surgery the day the first case of COVID came into Indiana. Now, after about a week later, that's when they shut all the shit down and... All these people that are now dying three years later uh, from cancer that probably could have been diagnosed a year earlier. And maybe they would have a better chance of surviving. Maybe their heart, you know, uh, heart issues could have been addressed. It's it's the hubris from a lot of people still that really bothers me. Now, now, here's the flip side of it. I'm glad this author wrote this. I'm glad people like Bill Maher and some other celebrities and things like that have come out and said, look, we were wrong. And and are taking, you know, saying we should have listened to the general public. And, and I'm a big fan of forgiveness. Uh, if someone has learned from a mistake and you know that they've genuinely learned and not just giving you lip service, politicians are, are, uh, are pretty much uh, they're, they're not going to tell you what you want to hear. I, I'm a big fan of people asking for forgiveness and trying to learn where they can do better. And that goes across everything, not just COVID. But when you sit here and look at these people who are going, well, we didn't do anything wrong. We just didn't communicate it well enough. That's that's, uh, you know, kind of code for you're too stupid to understand what I'm saying. So it, it's unfortunate that we're sitting here now almost three years later after the first cases were coming in. 
uh, realizing that a lot of things people were saying that made sense. Yeah, masks help a little. Uh, staying away from people, yeah, generally it helps. Sending people home to work, yeah, that kind of helps too. Sending kids home, yeah, that really wasn't that great when you look at what the impacts were on all of the schools and the kids and the psycho psychological issues. Now, uh, fortunately for us, it was actually the best thing that happened to my son uh, when he was sent home from school because he had two parents here that could help him with his homework and got him to graduate. Um, and excess uh, <laughs> follow the rise of the COVID virus. Um, I can safely say this. Uh, my family has had uh, interesting tie-in blood work-wise with the receipt, receipt of a booster shot being tied into some uh, really bad issues with my uh, wife's uh, endocrine system. So um, we're still, it's hard to prove that. It's hard to sit there and say, aha, there it is. But, you know, you kind of say, yeah, that's suspicious. And these are the things that probably should be tracked better. And they are getting tracked and they will be tracked. And we'll get the results in about another 70 or eight years. Cool. We are going to take a brief break and then we're going to be back for just a couple minutes of conversation as we kind of talk amongst each other about the past, what happens in the future. Hang on one second. We will be right back. Thanks so much for hanging on through the break, everybody. I appreciate your patience there. Um, I forfeited all of my time to that stupid doctor, so I'm going to go ahead and give I a couple of. Stupid. <laughs> I'm going to go I, ahead and give a couple of my notes now. No, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have read the article if I didn't think it was well written. He had made some yeah. good points. Yes. I, I, I say that sarcastically. Um, I, I think he's brought up good points. It's just the question is, are have if he is he writing this to say, oops we're sorry or it's holy shit yeah we're sorry there, there's two different kind of aspects on that i'm kind of reading a little of the first maybe there's a touch of the second in there yeah I touch don't know. the second he does cite like some of the people because like you said there were people that were like uh guys not good and he, and he he states and links to what those people said and their stories and their studies and what they're like hey maybe there's some factors you didn't consider because you're correct brian that the scientific community actually wasn't monolithic in this and this is kind yep. of the unfortunate thing it was politics that was monolithic in this and they cherry pick the scientists that they want to be monolithic with about it i did want to say this first of all co and i think this just this has to be said among libertarians especially when you're talking to big government believers or non-libertarians this is still a very deadly virus that should have been taken more seriously than many people took it and people dismissed it, said it was dumb, said it was stupid. Look, if you thought 9-11 was a big deal, and it was, then COVID's a big deal by yep. a lot of magnitudes. And mm -hmm. we did not – We many people, their, their solution was to do nothing. Now, I understand nothing on the government level, but they promoted doing nothing on a personal level. That is – that is something that will make people give up on libertarianism instantly. If they just say, no, I don't care about you. I don't care about my neighbors. This kind of thing happens and you just got to deal with it. I'll cough wherever I'll do whatever. Now, when you're arresting people in the middle of the ocean, 
or in a synagogue where they are actually like distancing themselves, you've gone bonkers, right? And this is what libertarians point to, right? Like, look at these guys going bonkers. But you need to put a mirror up and be like, okay, first of all, they're not going to trust me until I understand what they think is bonkers about me, right? People don't listen until they feel heard. Right. So you need to be able to articulate what they are worried about. And they are worried about the deadliest pandemic in this lifetime that is killing what a quarter of a percent of the people of the world, which may sound low, but there's a lot of people in the world. Right. right. Quarter of a percent is not small people to die. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, so I just want to say that first, secondly, and I'll, I'll say this briefly. I think making recommendations instead of mandates would have made a lot of this better. We can even see that among other countries that did this better. If you, instead of saying, no, you have to do this, you're stupid. If you don't being like, hey, look, I recommend you get this virus, especially if you are in these categories. If instead of saying, in fact, they had to pull an ad here in Utah to say the, the vaccine is perfectly safe. And then when a thing came that wasn't, they took it down, but they never said, here's why we took it down. You know what I mean? It, so they said, like, you know, they make you feel stupid and then you get proof otherwise. And they're like, oh, well, all right. Well, when we said perfectly, we meant most of the time. And the truth is, yes, most of the time it appears, at least so far, that it was safe. And this is the kind of thing that you want to talk about creating vac vaccine hesitancy, which is my third point here. They delete your account if you promote vaccine hesitancy, even if you're telling the truth. That's the problem is it's think about anything that causes hesitancy. Oh, if you eat too many fatty foods, you're going to get sick. Are you promoting meat hesitancy? You know, it's like, well, they, I mean, Damn. all on fires. Let's go. Meat <laughs> hesitancy. They're dead. Uh, they're dead. All of them dead. <laughs> the, Nuka. A, Nuka. Yeah. A lot of the hesitancy is just like, okay, we, we shouldn't have banned people based on say, being hesitant. And I'll, I will make this my last point. I don't even need a closing word here because I'm aware I'm kind of going long. But a lot of when you look at our mistakes happened not during the pandemic, but before we set the placemat, something happened and what got served was really bad. And so when you look up, in fact, even right now, if you Google like the CDC's missteps, most of them happened before the pandemic started. They said we were too slow. We, we didn't have the systems in place to analyze something quickly. We have a mandatory 10-year testing and waiting period on every solution that we have to every disease. Mandatory 10 years. We, we actually had to, to put some things in place. People broke the law, first of all, to even test to see if it was here yet because the law was really stupid, right? And then we had to break the laws again. And then eventually, you know, I believe Donald Trump and the CDC and everything suspended these laws so that we could do these things. But then you also look at in the medical industry. Well, you look at all these hospitals that were overrun. Why were they overrun? I can tell you personally from having working there, you're only allowed a certain amount of equipment per hospital per area. It is so incredibly stupid. It is, it is there to make these things artificially expensive so that you can't afford these things, so that these things don't get made in mass production, so that people can't have them in their homes or that hospitals don't have regular access to them. And we have to ship people around all Who's got the right ventilators? Who's got these over here? Oh, this hospital is allowed to make these vaccines. So you're going to have to go over here. This hospital is allowed to make these kind of vaccines. So you have to go over here. You're, you're taxing people back and forth. This was all in place before COVID. Yep. This was all in place before COVID and COVID simply exposed a ton of problems with the medical industry that we kind of don't want to address. We temporarily suspended these rules. If you, if the rules are bad, when the pressure's on, 
you don't need the rules, right? So I, I, I'm aware I've gone long there. Each of you can take like five minutes or whatever, but uh, well, I guess we'll, we'll keep debating, but as much time as you want. Is there anything I said there that was wrong? Anything right? Anything you want to expound on? Nah. I, I actually like the uh, anarchist in me was like, oh yes, good, good. When they started suspending all these rules because that big pharma and like the cronyism with the government has always been kind of a, pet issue of mine and a lot of people um and it that frustrates me to no end whether you're talking about the fda the cdc like any of it the just the bureaucratic red tape and the hoops you have to jump through for things that could potentially save lives you know that's always been an issue of mine so when this happened there was a part of me that was like yes good suspend them all forever <laughs> like <laughs> it's just it, it was really frustrating but also in, in, that goes back to talking about the vaccine hesitancy i was one of those people i was like this is really new i with my personal issues like i really kind of like i talked to my doctor for months about this you know, have you seen any new studies? Have you, you know, and like I kept up on all the medical journals coming, you know, and still not enough information. And I took a risk and paid for it. So, and that's like, I really want people to understand that you're not going to be able to find my case in some medical journal right now, because at this point they've, there's no test to say this is what it is, but all we've done is eliminate everything else and what we could find, it all literally, it ties back August 23rd, I got right. vaccinated. I spiked a fever as most people do. About a week later, that fever was a little higher and lasting a little longer than it should. And I called my doctor, she said, give it a few more days, see what happens. And uh, that fever never went away. I still have it to this day. And I have had lymph nodes removed that had some cellular enigmas, but they're afraid to call them malignancies at this point. Um, and other things that after spending the last six months under an oncologist's care um, and things that he has read, it appears that this was some sort of Cyto, what do they call it? Like a cytokine reaction, but cytokine storm. yeah, that yeah. had a slightly different presentation, slower, longer term, and more on a genetic DNA cellular level. Right. And I will probably never be healthy again. Your, your temp got high too. Yeah. How, how was, didn't didn't you post a picture with like a hundred oh, yeah. or something? something yeah, like crazy. Just in the first week, it was like one hundred two to almost one hundred four. Not oh, quite, but almost. The good news, we could cook cookies on your forehead. Yeah, so, I'm like, I don't you, like, I'm even red right now. Like, yeah. And I have, um, I went through, because they, of course, they wanted me to document. And um, I have an entire folder of, we're probably up to 570 some days of fever, yep. like photos of different thermometers, different time of day. Oh different Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry you're going through that. Brian, why don't you uh, take us home? Give us some good concluding words of wisdom to leave on. Well, uh, I'm going to get back to the whole idea that uh, the Scientific Libertarian posted just a few minutes ago. We are the phase four trial. 
the planet, the whole damn planet, is the phase four trial. The J&J vaccine, which my one of my kids got, actually two of my kids got, um, was deeply worrisome to me when they started talking about the clotting issue. Um, namely because they didn't say, it was just, oh, well, there's a clotting issue. Didn't say any, and I understand people didn't understand what the problem was. But this is the stuff that gets caught in the phase four trial usually. So the giant thing that should have been done, which, of course, government screwed up. They, they did the exact opposite of what the smart thing was, which is to go out and say, hey, look, these are experimental vaccines. We have tested them to the best of our abilities. We believe they are safe. And we're going to be open and honest with you with side effects that we see with people. And amazingly, here's the thing. The IT development behind this is 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 large, but not 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 in, not in it's it's not impossible. This is something that almost any good IT shop could develop that and, and develop it and say, "Hey, look, doctors, you get a patient like Lou here. I want you to put in what they've been diagnosed with. There's all the codes that you can put in with it, and put in the side effects that they've experienced. And let's just start checking there." And just start going through anonymized, you know, you don't have to put in the patient's name or anything like that. But let's just start tracking and put that information out publicly for public review by by medical professionals, by statisticians and things like that. It's being done. There is some of this being done, but it's on the down low and it's not being publicly reviewed until, well, you know, we do a study and this and that. But who ends up publishing a lot of those studies? Well, you know, the, the big journals that are embedded to pharma so again we are the phase four trial all the little weird things that are supposed to show up at the phase four trial lou i'm sorry you're one of them so is my wife so is uh some of my other friends who are you know have cardiac issues and stuff like that previous cardiac issues who were told by their doctors not to get the vaccine who got covid survived but we're purposely told not to get the vaccine because of possible effects. And then, of course, we had their jobs threatened, their livelihoods threatened. Some of them, you know, were thrown out of the military. So, again, it's it's real simple. Who screwed this up? Government. Uh, why? Because government is like that that sales management team that I've worked with. I've been in sales now for 30 plus years. They only care about making the sale. They only care about getting pushing something across the finish line. And if that's going on the on TV and telling you this thing is 100% safe, and anyone who questions that it's, sa- it's safety is an anti-science denier and probably wants to do naughty things to your chihuahua. So, <laughs> and, and these are the kind of people that are out there. But this is, again, this gets back to politicians who master in groupthink. And they thought, if we just bully the shit out of the populace, they'll all go do it. And they did for a little while until people started going, Hey, there's this thing called the internet, and we could start looking at alternative views. Everyone was cast aside who had any questions was cast castigated as an idiot. But you go take a look when Hody and I were talking about in April when people were talking about uh, hydro uh, hydrochloroquine and um, some of the other treatments that people were doing. Some of the doctors that were <laughs> yes, I'm going to kiss you. I'm getting you and your little dog too. Um, <laughs> but. Um, all these discussions that were immediately dismissed as, as garbage. Some of it was garbage, but some of it had some validity. And I think that watching the ER doctors and things like that talk among themselves and find out good treatments is what really saved this country. And I'll shut up now because I know we're over time. It's okay. No worries. <laughs> I, I, this is a 
it's fine. Um, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> if you look, if you look in hindsight, I think if you were told which set of people would be the trust the big corporations, you know, pro vaxxers versus I don't trust any of the science anti vaxxers, you would not have guessed which side the Republicans and the Democrats landed on. Like, no, beforehand, that's how well, politicized this was. It was just kind of like, whoa, this kind of. It's kind of flipped, yeah. right? Like, it, and I've always <laughs> been pretty pro-vax. Like, mm-hmm. me too. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no problems I'm vaccinated, with it. My kids vaccinated. I'm still, I still to this day tell people like, you have to weigh your own options and your own health and talk to your doctor. It's a yeah. you decision. Because like, I took my time and I still made a mistake, but that was me. Yeah, there and you I go. You logic, reasoning, common sense, right. Like just because nice. I had a bad experience doesn't mean it's a bad experience for everyone. Right. And I'm sure that vaccine absolutely saved a lot of people. Like, I don't yeah. doubt that a bit. Right. right. But, but, but it's the, hurting the, people, too. And we have to right. stop ignoring that. Right. And, and that. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. I was going to say the thing is, this COVID of 2020 is not COVID of 2023. Yeah. I mean, it really is. So, yeah. and which is what was said at the beginning. Remember when they were telling us, oh, it's going to get worse. The vaccine only gets worse. And we go, and the entire development of human history, what happens is it's really bad and then it gets more contagious and less deadly because if it gets really bad and really deadly, then it's like Ebola and it just goes and you're and everybody's dead in time. So, right. Right. And then it can't even spread. Right. I think like, one, of, one of the tough things about this to me is we have to we have ultimately we have to trust scientists. Now, I know that sounds controversial, but the thing is we're not all scientists. Right. I I don't know enough. I'm not a virologist. I haven't done the necessary 16 years of research it takes to even be respected in that field. So the problem then comes is this is I have to trust people. This this happened. I I make this this comparison. I think I've done it on the show before, but I think it's a fair one. Climate change. Right. When somebody says the world's going to end in 10 years and New York's going to be entirely underwater. And they know everything. They know so yeah. much more than me. These people have dedicated their lives to weather analysis and meteorology, right? These people who know infinitely more than me. And then they are wildly incorrect. Yeah. And then what happens? What's the pushback? Well, then climate change is false, you lying sacket, you know? Yeah, right. Right? Like, then, then you get this. And this is really what I think that the person is pushing. Because clearly this person still believes in... This is not a libertarian, by the way. Somebody believes in public education. They believe in the vaccines. They believe in trusting the healthcare system, right? Like, and they're talking about how to fix these things. The issue is that I, I have to trust somebody. I don't know enough, right? This is why it's such a big, for me, it's like a really big breach of trust when your pastor gets up there because I'm in theology, right? That actually is an area of study. And for me, it's like not everybody has the time to do all this. This is why we specialize as things at human beings, right? This is the beauty of, I'd say it, capitalism and individualism, right? Where we each find our place in this society. And I say, this is me. This is where I, like, and and I will provide so much of goodness in this area, but I don't have time to provide goodness in every area. I don't have enough time to know everything. I can't. So I count on other people for that. And it's this, it creates this machine where if we're all doing what we're best at, then things works well. What gunks up the machine? Somebody who claims, who has that expertise, who we have to trust, who then betrays that trust. And then everything gets messed up, right? If I'm a theology person, I get up there and I start preaching Christian nationalism. 
that gums up the machine because the Bible is explicitly anti-nationalist, right? It is very anti-nationalist. So if I get up there with 12 years of theological expertise and study and experience, and people have people need to trust me because not everybody has that time. Not everybody can do that. Then I betrayed their trust. And that messes things up for everybody else because they have no choice but to trust me. And so when they find out on their own with what limited knowledge they know that I have lied to them, of course it's going to gum up the machine. You know, this is why Fauci's lies are different than like, a, well, he was just trying to really help out. No, he lied. It's a really big deal. Like it's a very big deal when somebody you have to trust lies to you because we don't know enough, right? So when these climate change people exaggerate and lie about it, the problem then becomes the pushback. Right. Nobody's going to do it anymore. Everybody's going to call you a liar. All of a sudden you get people online. Does anybody actually know anybody who's died of COVID? Does anybody, you know, all these conspiracy theories popped up. And I just, I, I, yeah, I'm going over here, but I think that this is why it, it is so critical for us to talk about this and why people so, feel so violated with that trust. Because we don't, not every one person on this planet knows enough. You probably know enough about one thing in life to talk about it with authority. Probably. Maybe two or three if you are like seriously educated and have dedicated yourselves to a lot of crafts and you don't get any sleep and you've become and you're single and you've ignored your family. Maybe two or three. Or you have ADHD and you just grab <laughs> and like download yeah. hyperfocus for a couple of weeks and then lose interest and move on to another topic. But you've <laughs> downloaded it all. Yeah, I do that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> not a, not an expert on a, much of anything at all, by yeah. the way. Just but, like, but that's the whole thing is that when, when you do something big and you want people to believe you, you, you give them your notes, you give them your data, you give them yes. everything. You sit there and say, here's all the data. And yeah, we got to do stuff to redact names and places and stuff like that. But here's the data. If we screwed up, find it. Because I got news for you. This internet is full of very smart people who may not have a degree in virology, but they may have a degree in statistics. They may have a degree in engineering. Yes. They may have a degree in something else that's not related to that little facet that you're looking at or a degree in psychology that will go, shutting schools down is going to yes. break kids. Yes. And there yes. were plenty of psychologists out there, but they're like, oh no, grandma might get it. Well, then you know what? You tell grandma she's got to stay there. Remember, we were all hugging each other in bags and shit. Remember that? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure it's pretty easy to tell a four-year-old, look, you were at school this week. You got to hug grandma through a bag. I'm sorry. You'll be able to tell your grandchildren about it. And you'll probably have some nightmares about the hefty man chasing you down the street. Okay. That's what it is. Right. Now I'm going to have that nightmare. <laughs> well, we will learn. Consider these lessons to learn for next time. Everybody, this was episode 49. Next episode is going to be episode 50. We got a good one planned for you. We're going to either talk about like systemic racism or negotiating with Russia. So those two are really closely related, but one of those two is going to be next. It's going to be hot regardless. Uh, Lou and Brian, as always, thanks again for coming on, being being the awesome co-host that you are. I appreciate it. I will talk to you all later and toodaloo.